This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We're going live, Joey. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Okay. And we should be live. All right. Welcome. Thank welcome, you. Trey. This is uh, Trey Manchester. Nice to have you on. Thank you. Nice to be here. Hometown. Home, hometown director. Yep. That's right. Been kicking around here for quite a bit. So So you got your start. Uh, actually, you're, you're not originally from here. So right. where, where, where were you from originally? So born in Boston, but grew up here. You know, I've been living here for... 16 years plus at this point, so um, living in Chicago now, but yeah, really grew up in Crown Point. Okay, Crown Point High School? Yep. yep. Very cool. Graduate. Bulldog? Bulldog, yeah. Bulldog. And so what led you, uh, why don't you give us a little background? Uh, what do you do? Yeah, so um, I'm a filmmaker. Um, been writing, producing, directing for about 10 years now um, with film school in Chicago. Um, still work out there. been doing that for a bit. Um, I have my own company as well. We've been doing narrative production, so feature film, short films. Been doing that for, you know, at least half that time, so four or five years at this point. Okay. Uh, got some awards uh, under your belt? A little bit, yeah. Quite a few. Yeah. What? Let's hear them. Yeah, no, we had, we've been really lucky, and we, my team, you know, I've got a, a really solid team that I do a lot of this stuff with. It's not just me. Um, and a lot of our films go on to festivals and, um, you know, we've, we've played all around the world at this point. We've won around the world at this point, which is, which is great. You know, just to be able to have your movie seen as a filmmaker is a big step. So sure. to be acknowledged for something that's, that's really special, but, um, yeah, pretty much since I was in school, um, everything I've done hasn't been just to, you know, get a grade or pass the final. It's always been to do something beyond that. So that was my real big motivation for, you know, trying to achieve the next step, if you will. And, um, that really kicked off starting to submit to festivals. And, um, we got one of our earlier short films ended up getting on HBO and that really kind of started this whole, you know, machine moving, I would say. How did HBO find you? So it was actually through Project Greenlight. I don't know if you guys yeah. remember that competition. Um, the last season they did it. Um, remember our costume designer, Rochelle, at that point, um, was really involved with everything we were doing. All our kids were in our films. And one day she randomly just messaged me. We were in pre-production on a film. She's like, hey, you should submit one of your guys' stuff to this. You know, there's uh, an active call looking for filmmakers. And um, I remember we were trying to discuss if we should shoot something specific for it or just say, screw it, you know, here's the link to, to something we've done. And it ended up being a short that none of us really have sole director credit on. It was one that we filmed out in Lowell, just kind of, I mean, there was a story, it was a production, but we really were all just kind of like playing uh, when we made it. And that was the one that was most complete at that point. So we sent it along and um, got an email, I would say it was probably about two weeks later after being in the competition that we made it past the first round, we were moving into the second. And at that point, we were like, okay, well, that's really cool, and that's probably as far as it's going to go. You know, it's right. a global competition. Ended up getting a follow-up email, and we were making it to the next step, uh, the next step. So that one we had to film a little sort of uh, vignette of ourselves and why we got into filmmaking. And 
my partner in the company, Mario, and I both split up and filmed our own and sent it in, and we ended up getting the next round, which was top 200 finalists. And um, that's unfortunately as far as we made it. But with that said, um, our short got broadcasted on HBO as, as part of that. So, so from something that... As you said, you guys were just playing around to a yeah. top 200 film for HBO. That, that's pretty amazing. It's crazy. Yeah, right. it, it was. Um, it was a very good motivator for us to be able to, you know, realize that, you know, we're probably playing in the right area if if we're getting eyes like that on us. So it was um, when you're a film student or going through that, obviously, you know, you're not sure your your footing is right, you know, so to speak, when you're starting out. So that was a good support to be able to be like, keep going and, and sure, really dive you're in. You're doing deeper. something right yeah. at this point. Right, exactly. So at, the, yeah. at this point, I mean, is this your career? Is this it? Um, yeah. And what is like your, what's your day-to-day? Yeah, it, it varies. Um, you know, I have a day job in Chicago where I'm a, um, a production editor, so I edit for a bunch of big clients out there. Um, and that's more of the commercial side. And then Atlas, we do the narrative productions on um you know day-to-day really varies what people don't know is filmmaking is a lot of phone calls and leaving voicemails and um unfortunately people don't really like to answer those calls so you call back and that's the large portion of what producing really is um so, so what, it, do you, what it, do you call on trying to, to you know it's like podcasting yeah yeah right. very similar it's it's um, yeah, it could be a call to an actor, you know, you, you're interested in having them audition. It's calls to get location permits or insurance companies to cover the production or to rental houses. It's um, a great analogy to what filmmaking really is, is it's the equivalent of um, throwing a wedding, being present at the wedding, but also building the church at the exact same time. So it's um, a lot of logistics that go. go yeah, into it. very right brain, left brain at the same time. The, the real creative part doesn't really outweigh how much logistical support you need behind it so um but yeah a typical day really varies you know obviously there's downtime where you know we're not doing much we're either in between productions and that sometimes looks like you know just checking in with our distributor or our sales agent for a film and saying you know what is the reporting on on views you know is it selling where are we at you know so that's very much you know the business owner perspective um but then on the flip side, if we're in pre-production like we are now on, an, on a new short or a, a feature, if you will, um, it could be a number of things. And more often than not, it's the phone calls to and the paperwork to get to that point where we can be boots on the ground and actually get to play making a film. And that's, well, that's why you're here. One yeah. main reason right. to talk about this project you got. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're doing something a little different. Typically, as a company, a lot of our stuff has been dramatic. Um, you know, family dramas or thrillers, things like that. It, it's been a lot more just, you know, uh, I don't want to say run of the mill, but your typical drama. Um, but now we're getting into science fiction with this new one. It's something I've wanted to do for a bit, but okay. um, special effects are, you know, you got to have somebody really talented to do that, or you got to have a big budget to be able to pull that off. But um, yeah, we made the leap. It, it sort of came out of nowhere. We had been kicking around this idea, sort of, um, you know, a super eight or, um, I don't even know. I guess you could say Stranger Things. Stranger Things stole from a lot of different stuff, so it's, sure. it's hard to slap that label on. But um, yeah, just uh, you know, kid with powers type of situation in this um, you know extraordinary situation, very much of a Spielberg esque type of film. So um, that's exciting for me. The invisible and, uh, enemy per se. Yeah, or, yeah, okay. pretty much. You know, it's. Um, it, really the story boils down to it's a boy who um, has these powers we don't really know it and um, 
both he and his mother are on the run and the bulk of the film, it's a really kind of tight knit, short little five page story. But, um, we see this town evacuating. We don't know why there's military presence. The kid is kind of thrown in amongst this and we find out they're actually after him. And so they're trying to get out and really boils down to, yeah, yeah, very, very much, you know, the mutant, the enemy type of thing. Um, so it should be really fun to get to play in that, that realm a little bit. Where did that idea come from? Whose was it? Um, it was a collaboration. Um, you know, I have a lot of people, uh, that I'll, I'll bounce writing off of, um, a lot of good friends whom opinions I trust. And, um, it really started from the ending of super eight. There's this big chase sequence in that film. Um, it was a JJ Abrams movie came out in 2011 where, uh, it's a group of kids and they're running through their neighborhood that's destroyed. There's an alien attacking and just visually everything that was going on in that sequence is breathtaking. And, for a while I've sat and been like, you know, can we, if we could do something like that, that would be, that would be really neat. We usually luck out and have great people helping us with production value and stuff. And if we could reach that, I think we, we've really tapped into it. So, um, that was the stem of the idea. And then it just happened where, you know, we had an opportunity to come up where we could kind of pull everything together that we build over the years and, and make this thing happen. And, uh, that was the start of the idea. You know, I knew I visually, I'd like this idea of a kid and running through, you know, this extraordinary situation. And from there, it just kind of fleshed itself out into, you know, what, what if it's a mother and son story, something that, you know, despite the circumstance, anybody can relate to. And that's where um, it began. Did you see Rise of Skywalker? I did. Yes. Yeah. I know we were talking okay. to a huge Star Before Wars Before we get geek, on so. to your opinion. Sorry, Mike. No, okay. I'm going <laughs> to step out. I'm not... <laughs> Um, not a Star Wars. Uh, what trilogy like guy are you? First of all, that's a great question. Um, man, I don't know. We you this, know. So we had this pre-conversation before we started, and we established that we're Star Wars yeah. nerds. So, yeah, through and through. And as much as I'd like to say somebody cool like Anakin or Han or like that, I'm probably the guy who's like at the back of the cantina that you don't even notice in, in a scene. I don't think I'm I'm that interesting to be at the forefront. Um, but if I had to pick out of uh, you know one of the main characters, um, I don't know. I, I really like Anakin's story and his journey, and I think that conflicting emotion I've been in you know before in, in certain aspects. So I, I think uh, so I'd like prequel? to wear that that Are you mantle. A prequel guy? Yeah, I and I think the reason you know I I love the originals. Empire is probably the number one if I had to rank them for me. Um, but with that said, you know the prequels came about right when I was really able to understand Star Wars yeah. and you know dive into the deeper aspects to it. Um, so I think that's why that registers quite a bit for me. Okay, so here we go. Right? Yeah. Now, so everybody hated the prequels, right? Yeah. So right. many haters. But man, I thought first of all, I'm an original trilogy guy. Sure. I love the father and son story dynamic, you know. Um, also, Obi Wan's my favorite character. Obi Wan's a great character. My yeah, favorite I won't character. That. Yeah, he's on my arm right here. Uh, but man, there's something about the original tri- or the prequel trilogy with just the locations. Well, I don't yeah. care if it was CGI, it, right? Because when you watch movies, it's you get lost in your imagination, right? That's what they're for. Escape is totally right. right? So I appreciated like Coruscant. That was yeah, because we read about it in like the legend novels or the comic books or the video games. Right. We finally see it on screen, and like the first time, you're like, "Holy shit, that is awesome!" Yeah, no, and I completely agree. You know, the as tactile and you know textured as the original to be able to go to those places, you know, with technology and everything, and being able to see what that looks like, like you said, off the page. Um, and to add to that, I think. 
there's just I, there was an article that I, I started reading the other day where it was saying how like episode three was Star Wars at its max, right at, at its best, and I, I kind of agree with that. That would be my second underneath Empire, um, just because there's so much going on to that. I think the world building you're already familiar with everything at that point for. 30, 40 years by the time it came out. So, you know, you're able to just dive in and appreciate all those moments where it's like, I've never seen that planet before. Holy crap, you know, and it, it just takes you to that new level. So, I don't even know what my number two is. Empire is always going to be number one. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, that's it. But I think one of the underrated movies is Rogue One. Rogue One. Uh, yeah. And I've, I've said that I would probably rank that three on it's my list. And, so- it, it gets to the little guy, right? You know, the people on the ground that you don't see. It's There's no Jedi or anybody that, you know, you're following. It's, like, just 100% gritty. It's it's the Saving Private Ryan, if you will, yeah. of, the, of the Star Wars trilogy. How deep are you? Okay, so, like, I'm Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels. I'm... I've read the comic series. Yeah. The Star Wars series, both Vader series. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Are, you're are probably you deeper than I am. I, I can hold my own in that respect. Yeah. Wikipedia was okay, yeah, like okay. a Bible for a yeah. long time. Um, yeah. I, I, but I never got into the comics or any of that. You okay. know, I have the Man. books on my shelves, but. Have yeah. you read any new books? No. All it's right. been a while. Yeah. So for anybody listening, you have to read the Ahsoka book. First of all, you have to watch the Clone Wars series. It's a good series. I have I, to. I, yeah. It's a must. Yeah. Clone because they're coming out with one more season. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. You have to watch that. You then have to read the Ahsoka novel. I have a problem with her as a character. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> you have to <laughs> read that. podcast. We're in now. <laughs> so you have to read Ahsoka. You have to watch Rebels. Okay. You must watch Rebels. And then you have to watch 7, 8, and 9. Okay, I can respect that. You have that. to. All right. Because now all that stuff is canon, right? It is, yeah. And so, that, that's good homework for me, and we can have a, a follow-up on that. Because I think, I don't know, I was never a fan of, of Anakin having a Padawan. I don't know. It, it Maybe it's just me being a purist with it, even though it is canon. I just never really cared for it. Because he's still, you know, I don't know. I guess in in my head, he's still kind of dealing with his own stuff and now here sure. he is with his own padawan and i don't know it just it felt like a another action your, your figure for opinion me opinion about ahsoka will change yeah when you read the book all right i'm open to it's it it's cool I because respect that yeah. just a heads up it so the ahsoka novel kind of ties into the end of rebels sure which goes ties into like directly into rogue one into a new hope okay and the start of the rebellion all right, and I who's really that, behind the rebellion? So when you think of the rebellion, who started the rebellion? Uh, well, it was Organa's family. Okay, so Bail. So that's, Bail, yeah, that yeah. is true. And then there's someone that goes by a code name that's in there. Okay, and you'll figure out who that is. The first team up to start the rebellion. Excellent. All right, yeah, you so got they, me. You they got gave me her more, and dude, and and it talks about like um, she never really um became a jedi knight ever right she yeah, left the yeah. jedi order right and she like gets rid of her lightsabers disappears this book covers that whole period sure and then you see her in rebels and you're like how the hell does she get lightsabers yeah well the book explains everything it's so good okay so that's good. cool i can appreciate so that and then the comics talk about the inquisitors right right as well as rebels and then ahsoka is a big part of that too okay 
This is it gets deep. Minutes of my life, I'm <laughs> back. You've got you've got some catching up to do. Long <laughs> in my entire life, so that that was really hard for me to not interject any sort of opinion because I have great. none. <laughs> so, do you go to Chemshaw at all? You've been in there. You know, I'm not in town enough. I've been there maybe twice. Uh, I've been trying to get Jason to come on. Yeah, because. Right next him, door. I go Why in not? there and I'm in there for hours. We just talk about everything. Yeah, run the game. It's gonna have to be them too. Yeah, right. <laughs> run the board on that. Yeah. Jason, <laughs> when, when you're healthy, buddy, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. really cool. He had some heart issues, so. Oh man. Um, and then I brought Star Wars up because you talked about J.J. Abrams being an inspiration. Yeah. That right. movie. What did you think about like seven, eight, nine? J.J. Um, Abrams obviously had seven and eight. Ryan I, Johnson was. I'm sorry, 79, and Ryan Johnson had eight. Eight. Um, you know, it kind of enters a deeper conversation with, um, I guess, the purpose of those films and kind of the state of cinema now, which is very much, you know, nostalgia and remakes and sequels. And, you know, whether you're exhausted with that or not, um, you know, it makes sense from a business standpoint. You know, studios, they have a built-in audience. They can, you know... Uh, predict their metrics and know kind of sure. what they're going to get, especially when you're spending 200, 250 million on a movie. It's, it's a big one to eat if you screw up. So I get it from that point. Um, I think it was exciting to see them actually follow through with seven, eight and nine. So I think where I began as a fan, um, I really enjoyed kind of that, uh, you know, just return into the world. Um, episode seven, I know there's a lot of complaints. People are like, oh, it's just a reiteration of everything. And um, I think it had to be done in that way. Sure, they could have taken more liberty, but you're reintroducing us to characters we haven't seen in how many years, you know? And um, you got to refamiliarize the new generation with that world if they haven't been paying attention. So you have to take especially like the Han journey, you've got to bring us back to where he was left off and make us care for him again before you enact the plot of what your whole film's about. So um, I respect where that's at. Last Jedi, I think, did some clever things. Um, I think it did some also really bad things, to put it uh, politely. Um, And that's going to start a frenzy. My friends and I have arguments about this all the time. But um, from a movie standpoint... From a directorial writing standpoint, I think it was brave, you know, shake it up, you know, do whatever you have to do. But I think it kind of forgot that it was an installment in a larger piece. Um, And then with that leaving off with nine, I think I think it was everything it should have been. I I need to see it again, but I, I left the theater satisfied thinking that, okay, it, it wasn't a waste to redo all of, or not redo, but, you know, to revisit everything. Um, yeah, I, I, think it, I think it was what it needed to be. I, I don't expect much more from so, it. So, for my opinion, I'm right with you. When I saw Seven, I'm not going to lie, dude, I had tears in my eyes. Like, when the music, the visuals. Dizzy chills. The first time I saw it, I went back and saw it two more times. Yeah. And then I slowly digested everything. And right. I had to think about it. I'm like, man, there's way too many holes, too many questions. And, you, and as a fan... And I, I love cinema. Like I couldn't believe they used like the same set for yeah. different locations. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So like Maz Kanata's castle. Yeah. The area around that you could tell was the same set buildup, and then they took it for Star Killer base and put snow on the same area. Yeah. Dude, you you just put millions and millions of dollars into this movie, and because you refuse to use CGI. You're going to recycle you a set. You through the repurposement. Yeah. And it's just like, 
I, that right there just left a. Sour. That's interesting. I never got that deep into into picking it apart. I think, um, but that's a valid point. Um, but with that said, I also kind of do respect that. I mean, there's definitely CGI in it, but I think that push to not go the episode two and three route where it's entirely green screen everywhere, you know, to keep some of it tactile for the actors. I I do like that. But yeah, I think, I think, um, and the greater scheme of it all, you know, going from episode seven where you said, you know, there's a lot of holes. I think they kind of set it up for like, here's a bunch of plot points we can spring from. And And part of me really wishes just one director took the whole trilogy. I know like Colin Trevorrow was supposed to take nine and that didn't work out, but you know, what would nine be if JJ had been able to take the whole thing, you know, and, and just enact the whole vision from start to finish. Um, again, not to discredit Ryan Johnson, uh, but I don't know. I, I, eight didn't sit well with me. I remember leaving no. that and was like, Oh man, where are we going now? You when, know, when they was... butchered Luke's story, I, uh, I, I was like, dude, I, I quit. Yeah. That's how bad it was. Yeah. I, I can't believe it because we had, as fans, we had a vision of where he was going to go, what he was going to do. Yeah. Which I kind of respect the idea, again, from a writing standpoint, to subvert that and be like, you're wrong. Here's, here's really where he's at. And I, over the years since it's come out, I've, I've been able to kind of find my way into that and be like, okay, it kind of makes sense. You know, he's a guy who just failed big in his eyes. You know, he, he had all of this weighing on him and he totally flopped it, you know, but, um, and I want to know who wrote that piece. I want to know George Lucas's goddamn script. Yeah. I was, know. It, was it done on purpose to cause conversations like we're having now? Shit. Well, I absolutely, I think so. Let, let, yeah. And he cashed that check Pur- and he wrote off and he's like, ha ha ha, fuck purpose to, right. you know, purposeful debate points for, right. for years to come. Why do you think Disney let him do that? Why do you see, this is the thing, dude, like, I loved it. I'm a huge Bob Iger fan. Yeah. I think he's one of the most, like, Elon Musk, Bob Iger. Sure. Currently, if Steve Jobs is still alive, those are like the Einsteins of our Pillars, yeah, yeah. Why would, why did they let Kathleen Kennedy take control of Star Wars? So I actually don't have an issue with Kath, uh, with her. She... Like, if you go back and look at all of her credits, she's in Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. Like, she's been through it. So I didn't have an issue with the acquisition. I think where where I think it kind of goes a little strange is I, I don't even think there was that big of a plan in place. And I could be totally wrong. I'm not in Disney I, or any of that. But it was almost like we're going to ride the ship as it goes. Let's green light 7, 8, and 9. Have fun writing seven. We'll figure out eight as you guys are wrapping up. And I, I just read an interview with JJ kind of talking about his experience with um, the newest one. And he was saying that, um, you know, when he was initially writing it, seven that is, um, they had already been talking about where they project the next to go. But it was this idea of we'll cross that bridge and we get there. Let's just get this mammoth of seven done and make sure it's a success. And so I think. When that happened, it, it was sort of like, okay, where are we going now with the story? And they let the business plan get in there, too. Kind of, yeah. Well, at what point is, is it too big to fail, though? No matter what, they could throw out garbage, right. and people like you are, are going to go watch it. I'm not going to lie, man. <laughs> but see, and, that, and money, that's... and then I was fucking... Broke. Well, and that's why we're in, we're in the cycle of that now, right. you know, which is why it's, hey, we'll just do another sequel, or we'll do another rewrite, or a new interpretation. It's because no matter what, whether it... Not that they're looking at it like, oh, it's going to fail, just push it anyway. But there is that safety net of 
we're going to get them in the seats on opening day no matter what. And then if it's not that good, we'll redo it in five more years and can keep pushing it. So I took Solo over seven and eight. The acting wasn't great. I'd say Solo over eight. I I still respect seven too much. It's tied. Yeah. Just because you got to see some cool shit. But there was some, yeah, kind of similar to Rogue One. You see things that you didn't get a chance to see in the originals or the prequels. I think Solo was definitely underrated. certainly had flaws. I was not a fan of them bringing... A, you know, a younger version of Han, and it's as delicate. Um, they, they but it was had a fun to movie. Tell a story, right? Yeah, but yeah. It, it wasn't my choice. Yeah, I, I don't know who else could do it though. At this point, right? It was right. cool to see Chewie though come out of the shadows. That was um, neat. Have you seen The Mandalorian? Oh yeah, I just finished it. It's, uh, there was a lull. Um, you know, again, and it goes back to that deeper conversation of like where. Where is everything going? Because I do think there's such a thing as burning an audience out on too much. Um, I think what's exciting with The Mandalorian is, yeah, you're seeing new characters, new spaces. Um, it's doing things kind more of, in line you know. with the original than anything we've seen yet. Um, I think the the middle of it, the, those few episodes, almost felt like fan films. There was some weird acting things going on. Um, just some things that I personally didn't care for. Gina but. Carano. Yeah, but then it totally swooped right back up. Like, that ending was was solid to me. Um, That's the thing. So you will understand that, spoiler alert, Moff Gideon had the Darksaber, cut himself out. Yeah. If you haven't watched The Clone Wars... You won't know that. Or Rebels, because it comes back in Rebels. Sure, yep. I mean, powerful in Rebels. Yeah. You won't know... It's, see, I, I think that's really cool how that's the, the benefit of having a property like that. You know, you pull from everywhere and whether, I, I don't know, I kind of don't like it when it's like, oh, you need to have read the book or the comic to get what that thing is. That's kind of annoying to me. Um, but it is cool that they're able to weave everything together. They and form that whole nexus. Yeah. But unfortunately, right. that's what happened when, do you think when the ink was dry, George Lucas regretted the, the sale? I don't think so. Um, I mean, Four the dude's billion, got a, a nice bank account. Dollars, yeah. yeah. You know, I think he may, might. I, I was actually, it's interesting you bring it up because I was thinking about that not too long ago after the new movie came out. Um, I wonder if he does miss sort of, you know, some of well, it. Well, I mean, way, but, okay, so it's proven that, that money doesn't necessarily buy happiness, right? Totally. Right. And. I'm sure at some point it's crossed his mind like, hey, you know, what if I didn't do that? But you ever have that major regret in life and like it makes you sick to your stomach for a while? Yeah. Time? Yeah. And, and I understand though, too, where he's coming from. For, I mean, the dude was probably burnt out. You know, he from the started hate. it from. Right. Well, well and alone. just the uphill battle from even can Star Wars become a thing, you know, back Sorry, in, Mike, in the 70s. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. I, I, but I, so I get from a filmmaker perspective, or I even guess from just a regular business owner or anything, like he had to create all of what that became. So you do that for 40 some years. I'm sure a part of you is like, okay, retirement sounds really nice right now. Um, I already feel that way, and I've been doing this for 10 years. You know, there's, there's moments like that. But um, yeah, true. Is he, is he, does he miss the creative outlet of what Star Wars brought? Um, I don't know, because like to your point, you have, this whole new world that didn't exist when he started making it of social media and all these people with, you know, audiences prying on things, which I think, you know, that's a whole separate discussion that really scares me as, as a creative where like the whole Sonic thing where they didn't, they weren't happy with the way he looks. So they tell him to go like the studio bent down and redid it. You know, that's that 
how far does that go, you know, to where no ideas exist now unless it's what, They're you know, the select group is going to like. Right. Yeah. It's over already. I Probably. I, you know, it's you, – you can kind of smell a flop when it's coming. Yep. And, I, you know, hope not. I hope it's successful. You know, I don't want to – a lot of people did hard work on that, so you don't want to totally discredit that. But and I just cats. think – it just came out. So weird. Yeah. What? Given to the angry mob. It, right. You know, and that's, that's the problem. Right. Is, you know, you're, you're the creator. It, you know, it's from the mind's eye. And then everybody, of course, that's sitting, you know, in a chair like this is going to have an opinion of that and for, allow them yeah. to, to totally change, you know, where your idea was without seeing the, the whole thing, the totality of it. It's kind right. of mind-boggling nowadays. It is, and and you bring up a good point because I, to me, you know, my films, I like to leave them open-ended where there's a discussion to be had when the credits roll. You want people to leave, at least in my opinion. You want them to leave and, and talk about it. I think movies are far too important, have too big of an impact to simply just be entertainment. I think it's a smart thing to have people, you know, have it resonate with them, just like we're doing with The Last Jedi, you know, we're still talking about it. I think that's a good thing. Um, but... You should still allow the creative or the filmmaker, whoever, to be able to make the piece and then you talk about it later to be able to interject before it's even close to being done and say, oh, we're not happy. And then now the studio comes in and they trump the creative vision and say, nope, it's going a different direction because it's not going to be a good you know, box office number. That becomes an entirely different approach. Unless so, the business gets involved with the creative aspect of it. Now. Totally. And you... I don't know if you can meld those two together because there's always going to be different opinions. Right, that. right. Uh, go back to the, gosh, the Soprano series, how that ended. Oh, right, right? yeah. I mean, that's still talked about this day, what happened to Tony Soprano. Love it, though. Right? I love the ending. Absolutely love it's it. better than it. rushing, like, Game of Thrones. and <laughs> Right. I, you felt it was rushed? I get it. it I get it. It was definitely but... rushed. Yeah. Uh, not so much the Arya arc. You know, that was sure. good. I, I actually like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, John and Khaleesi. Uh, there's more there. In the industry, have you been able to meet any idols and get any advice that you were? Yeah, um, yeah, and it, it's um, that's been a really cool aspect. Um, you know, one uh, who I've become friends with, his name's Michael O'Neill. Uh, he's been in a ton of stuff, uh, from Transformers to um, a lot of prominent TV shows. Um, he's a really recognizable face is a guy you might not know his name, but when you see him and I actually knew him from, um, Bates motel, the TV show Bates motel. Um, he played one of the villains on that and he was at a film festival that we played with, uh, my first feature, the things we've seen. Um, and he was given this like two hour talk about his experience in the industry. And we went up and started, you know, just talking to him afterward and ended up being a really nice guy, asked for a copy of the film and we sort of hit it off there. And, um, as fate would have it, he ended up presenting the award to us when we won that night, which was really cool. And so, you know, I just flat out told him like, Hey, I want to work with you at some point. Um, you know, can that happen? And, uh, sure enough, he's extremely, extremely nice guy and we've kept in touch and, um, we've got a movie in development that we're trying to do together and, um, yeah, just kind of, kind of riding that. So yeah, that's him right there. All right. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Super nice guy. Super creative. He, uh, you know, one of the scripts too, that I'd been working on, he took the time over like two months to sit through and work with me on that and just shoot me his ideas from an actor perspective, you know, Hey, I'm not so sure about this. This could be difficult for somebody to get into. So, you know, 
both in projects that we're trying to work on and then just as far as a mentor is concerned, you know, he's been really great in that respect. And you need that in the industry, right? Totally. Yeah, it's a big, you know, and it's similar to everything you do, right? It's uh, it's nice, again, just kind of like what HBO did for us to have another step along the way and somebody be like, yo, keep going, you know, keep pushing forward. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, you know, when Randy told me you were coming on, uh, I, I had a little bit of trepidation. Sure. Because you, you, you always hear this stigma, this Hollywood, this filmmaker stigma. I thought, honestly, you were going to come in with a chip on your shoulder. I was like, yeah. who the fuck are we bringing in here? <laughs> right. Um, you know, is he going to be a douchebag? Uh, but uh, <laughs> sure. honestly, I mean, that's just me being, you it's know, valid candid, right? And it, it, you're down to earth. And Appreciate it. You, you have some humility. And it, it, is that what the industry is? Or are you an, an oddity in the industry? You know, I've been fortunate enough to uh, meet more and more people who are down to earth. Um, you obviously hear the divas and the, the horror stories with that, but, um, and certainly I've crossed, crossed paths with a few, but it's few and far between. Um, and that's why I like working with a lot of the same people. You know, we, we always look for opportunities in my productions to bring on people who want to be doing this and who want to be here. Um, I find that a lot of those attitudes from people are people who aren't there to wear, you know, to, to be in the production. They want to wear the Jersey or, you know, they want to see their face up there. It's, it's a totally different motivation than, you know, the people who are nice and are having the success and pushing forward. So, um, yeah, I, I think a big part of it is just being humble and you're only as good as the last thing you made. And, you, you know, it's very much a feast or famine industry. You don't know when you're going to be on your next gig. So sure. somebody who's at the top of their game now could be totally irrelevant the following month. So if that doesn't keep you humble, then you know, what, what will, so. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I, I expect you to come in, you know, a Dolce & Gabbana hat. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. I, 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 don't, I don't know where it came from. Just, you know, your, the, the, the picture we had of you, I was like, all right. Samuel Jackson. Though. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's like, uh, what, what, what are we going to talk that's about? Right. You know, but, but you're, you're, you're just, you're a guy like us. Yeah. A uh, guy that we can go downstairs at the tavern and, and, and have a beer and just talk, right. talk Star Wars with. I, not that I would, but, uh, it's amazing. It, yeah. it really is. Uh, yeah, it, it's such a big thing. You know, doors open for you when you're a nice person. They shut in your face really fast when you're a jerk. And that's not to say that, you know, that's kind of the, the approach I had in this industry. I came from a sports background where, uh, you know, I grew up playing football my entire life. And um, it's a team environment. You know, no matter whether you're the quarterback or you're the backup you on the be, bench, you have to be. Yeah, I did. I played both. Um, I played quarterback for a bit, but then um, in high school, I switched over to defensive Wait, back. Six one. Uh, yeah, six, six one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, that mindset of it's not about you; it's about the team and the game translates wholly into my work um that's the way i approach you know a crew on set it's sure. we're a team we're making the movie that's that's winning the game for us is to have a successful shoot so um show up do your job play the game or go home you know there's no egos how big's your immediate team um so it varies based on production we're pretty much consistently on a shoot there's about 40 45 crew members running around um in terms of like the producers or the planning it's you know three or four um, and then, yeah, spreads out. Once we get on set, there's a ton of people doing a ton of stuff. And then when we get into the edit bit, it narrows down to usually me and two, three other people. So it's, uh, it's weird. Yeah. So when, when they start shooting the, the new movie, um, where are you going to be? What's, you know, right in the action. Um, yeah, I'm 
typically how it works is we'll show up on site, we load in all our gear, all our you know production elements, and um, as everybody's kind of getting staged or ready to go, I'll meet with the actors and we'll discuss the scene. We'll kind of talk motivation on what we're looking for. You know, we, of course, we've already had all these discussions, but you get on site. There's a lot of moving parts, and you, everybody needs to get grounded again. So play some acting games, get in the groove, get everybody loosened up, and then uh, we'll do what's called blocking, where we'll go out, we're exactly on the set, and we'll talk movement. And um, I'll usually have them just kind of spit all the scene. I don't like to direct everything right away, and I work with actors who I always feel are smarter than me, so I like to remove myself as sure. much as possible and kind of just be there to guide, not tell them how to act. So, um, yeah, we'll go through, you know, what's going to make sense for the camera and for your character, how you're going to move, are you going to sit, you're going to stand and we'll work that out and then bring in the cameras, we'll roll it. And, uh, then if any adjustments need to be made, we'll make those. And that's pretty much the order until we're done with the the day. And being an up and coming director, having a production company, where does the funding really come from? It's a great question. And, And it's a question everybody always asks. Uh, it's, the thing that makes productions go. Um, yeah, it, it depends. We have a ton of different sources. A lot of it's self-funded um, between a bunch of different crew members. We've done crowdfunding campaigns, Kickstarter, Indiegogo. Um, we've had private investors who you know think it's cool what we're doing, want to support our growth, and they'll contribute financially or even, See, with, work, even with things. Man. I mean, that's uh, a yeah. gamble for them, right? Yeah, you know, but... Your ideal investor is not somebody who's looking to make their money back immediately. Movies don't make money. Sure. You know, you even Disney doesn't make their money back a lot of the time. It's a hard thing to do. So, what we can offer is an experience. So, you know, being able to have your name on a big screen is not something everybody's going to pitch to you every day. So, yeah, you know, go to festivals around the world, around the country, or sit right next to me on set with the cameras and the lights. Like all that experience stuff are things that still make me sit back and go, holy crap, you know, we're shooting a, a movie. It's it's cool. So that's what we can offer and that's what we do offer and we're upfront about it. You know, the, the chance of getting your money back is slim to none. We're going to try our best and as businessmen, we're going to put ourselves in the position to be able to try and do that, but we can't guarantee it. Um, can't guarantee to sell a movie. It's, it's really hard. So if we had people listening in our podcast world here that said, man, I, I really like, you know, this conversation we're having. I, I want to put some money towards this where would they yeah. go to do that how would they get in touch with you through a website sure how, yeah how can we plug that for you um yeah the best way you can follow our facebook page um i believe it's uh i think we have it pulled up there right i always yeah, forget we changed our name it's official atlas pictures or atlas, atlas Film pictures yeah. yeah um so facebook.com slash uh, official atlas pictures or reaching out via email uh, which is just trey at atlas film studio it's at atlas film studio cool there you go yeah. Yep. So those two ways, um, you know, we, we reply to everything. So uh, either. So when we were off camera, and I hope you don't mind talking about this, uh, you said that you had to change the name, kind of rebrand a little bit because yeah. of uh, Atlas Productions, and yes. it, that was close with a, another brand. Uh, you want to get into that? A, a little very bit? questionable brand. Yeah, and we didn't realize it until after. So our our domain names used to be Atlas Pictures Cinema. Um, well. When we're broadcasting that, obviously the company's Atlas Pictures, so we like to take that shorthand of, oh, just you know, Google us, Atlas Pictures. Well, there was a uh, adult film production company with the exact same name, so that, well, you that know, was that time for the rebrand. Thing, yeah. May not, it, you know, yeah. it depends. Um, yeah, so 
that was that was a close call. Right? A little different, yeah. Still, still call, making movies, get a but phone call from grandma Trey, <laughs> is this you behind her? Right, right. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was a close call for sure. On a few, and I didn't realize it. One of our producers at the time, um, we had, we were doing a radio spot or something, and we plugged that, and he was like, "Ah, oh, by the way, we better correct that coming back." That's so, amazing. Yeah. That really is. So I've noticed that we've been sitting here for, I don't know, about a half hour now-ish, uh, right? 40 minutes. 40 minutes, and your hair hasn't moved once. Um, you have some amazing hair product. I in. appreciate it, um, yeah. I, seriously, not, not one follicle has moved, and yeah. that, it's kind of blowing Come out to here. set, it's the same way. It, you <laughs> know, it's a hurricane, and it just stays put. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. funny, so, yeah, I, just, I noticed a little. You're gonna things, get me a sponsor right? from the the hair company. That's a... Goodell Sassoon. <laughs> right. It's more of an Aquanet. Yeah, yeah right. right. School. Yeah. Paul Mitchell use it in a potato gun afterward. Right. <laughs> it's pretty oh. badass. Yeah. So, where do you see yourself ten years? What's the goal? And what is, what's your project like yearly project goal? So this last year. Um, so to rewind, I guess even prior to that, making the things we've seen. Um, so I went to film school. I dropped out of film school beginning of my final year, which is a big questionable decision. But um, I already had Atlas at the time. We were already making some money. And there came a point where school was starting to interfere with that. Um, consulted some close professors of mine who knew me well. And you know, I was just like, is this going to be a mistake if I leave? And uh, the way they put it was it's an industry based on what you've done. Nobody's going to care where you went to school per se. So, and you can always come back to school. So, if you're making money or you're making projects, go chase it. So, I did. Sure. Um, when I left, I immediately I'd already developed the idea of the things we've seen, uh, the first feature, and it was just kind of like this scene I was doing for my directing class. And um, my goal at that point was I need to make a feature. I need to do it with actors who have more experience than I do. It's not family and friends. And if we can get into the feature world, that can hopefully sustain itself and keep going. So that's what we did. I, I left. I wrote the script for things we've seen. We spent a year trying to get money and attachments and then spent uh, the summer, yes, yeah, summer and early fall of 2015 shooting that. Um, and then when that was done, we got a sales agent in December of 2016 and they ended up selling the movie in, um, it was in summer of 2017 during our festival run and, uh, movie came out early last year. So from start to finish, you're looking at three, almost four years to get the movie made. And, you know, that's actually pretty quick, all things considered, but you know, we felt pretty stagnant that that was a lot of time and we needed to be shooting more, putting out more content, trying to grow our brand. And so <clears throat> this past year was a big push for us to really just push out, you know, all you these, all these film, things. Right? We did. Uh, they turned around in eight <clears throat> days. And that was Bleed American. That was our second feature, which we shot summer of last year. Um, the way we structured it is ideally we were putting out or, or setting the groundwork to be able to do, you know, two or three short films per quarter and then a tentpole feature either one year or two every every year. Um, didn't quite meet that, but we got close, which sure. was nice. And Bleed American, you know, was the feature that came out that year. That's finishing up its festival run. It's playing in New Jersey uh, next month. So, okay. um, But, yeah, th- we've started tapering off through the winter. We obviously have Deviant, the new short film, coming up. Um, but it was uh, a point for us to kind of pull back, look at everything we've done this year, and just take this winter to kind of re-energize and, and get ready for next year. Get, get so. a little reset going. Yeah. Before yeah. Um, we wrap in, in a bit, I just want to let people know, 
we had technical difficulties. I know you're not going to hear it now because we're not live, but just so you know, we'll post this whole thing. Just didn't work out live. Well, technology sucks sometimes. It's up there yeah, right yeah. now. You know, these people are looking at this live. And it's probably all choppy and messed up <laughs> and shit. Sorry. Until next time. But yeah. we're getting better. It's a good test run for we'll it. Figure it out. Sorry, dude. <laughs> no, I, I was saying when we were off camera, we did a live stream for the things we've seen. Um, it was coming up. It was the four-year anniversary of us shooting it. So we did like a live stream commentary, and it didn't work at all. We had to push back two hours, and it was it was a mess. So yeah, I'm looking right now. And live stream is a, is a thing in its own. 30, sure. almost 30, right. you know, two minutes up there. Oh, well, we'll get it up there. It's a good teaser, That's teaser awful. to watch we'll the, it, the real thing. Well, hopefully we'll have you back on after you're uh, yeah. done shooting, and you can kind of yeah. give us a recap of that, that experience. I'd really sure. enjoy that if, you, if you'd like. Absolutely. Um, and just kind of keep us in the loop of, of what's going on give with you, you. Yeah, let's say give your audience like maybe some dates to look forward to. Sure. Have them off the top of your head. Yeah, so we actually have uh, the, sh- the film is shooting on January 18th right here in Crown Point, and we do need extras. So um, if people are interested in that, you can reach out through Facebook or um, you know, through my email, Trey at atlasfilmstudio.com, um, which you guys are welcome to be a part of. It's, <laughs> it's fun. If you need an ugly face, I gotcha. We've got, uh, we're, we're evacuating the town is what we're, we're playing with. So there's a, there's a spot for everyone. <laughs> but, off perfect. camera, I got a little something for you. So, yeah. say it on camera, but I got a good idea for you. Sounds man. good. Yeah. Yeah. But, don't want to, don't want to throw a homeboy on the spot here. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, so they can reach a website for extras for extra. Ca- uh, yeah, Facebook's the best thing for okay. us. That's where we push everything through. You know, we like to engage. with And everybody. when will you start lining up uh, those extras? Uh, now we're starting now. Our big push is really the big announcement is going to be on our Facebook page. I'd say coming up within the next week. So they heard it here but first. They Atlas heard it here first. Film this is Studio. the first one. Yep. This is the first one. You guys heard it here first. They're looking for uh, extras for this uh, film sh- being shot in Crown Point. And dude, I I know. Just meeting you, hearing you, we're going to see you. I appreciate it. All That's over. the goal. I, yeah, I would concur goal. with that. I, You're gonna be I don't like many people. Yeah, uh, so yeah well, I'm happy I'm in your court that. then. <laughs> you're, you're good to go, and I, uh, I, I just think your passion and your motivation speaks volumes of your character. And that's that's a rarity nowadays. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think it's you know it's a gift to be able to do what you like, and and I'm a firm believer. Uh, you know, I know we had talked about it uh, previously to this. It's the hardest thing is not doing something, and that's always been my mindset with something. Everybody has an idea for something, but I think until you actually take the steps and, and do it, you know, the one thing no I was going to say, absolutely. One thing I was going to say before we had the difficulties. Um, you had said something about like work ethic, how you treat people, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a huge fan of Conan O'Brien, and I'll never forget when he got Jay Leno's spot and yeah. fucked him over. And he didn't know where he was going from there, but his last show, he had the closing words, and like I still live by this today. He said, um, I just want to let you know that if you work hard and you are kind, good things will happen. And I like word for word exactly what he said. Yeah. And he started crying. I'll never forget that. Yeah. And so that's just you reminded it's, me of that. It's very true. And I, you know, I haven't been doing this long, but that's the biggest thing I've noticed too. Is you know, I, I think positive energy attracts positive energy. You know, and and yeah, people want to be around that. And um, yeah, it's a special thing. And then, like you said, you don't meet too many people with it, especially in film industry. It, you know, people do come across snobby in certain areas and 
Uh, yeah, I think if you're a down to earth person and you just do what you like, that's. A I'm a college thing. dropout too, by the way. You're what? I'm what a college it? dropout too, by the way. There you go. We gotta uh, hang together. It's but <laughs> so, and I know we're closing up, but God damn it, I don't think you know. Don't feel like you have to go to college. Work hard. Figure out what you want to do. College isn't for everybody. It doesn't mean you're not smart. For me, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, like Elon Musk, man. He says, listen, you can come work for me. You don't have to have a degree. Yeah. We got to see what you're all about. Come, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's a huge topic and conversation. And I'm, this, I'm the same way. People, I get the question with film school a lot. You know, do you, do you have to go? Should you do it? And for me, I needed it because where I was at end of high school, I don't think I would have been disciplined enough to sit down and read the books or watch YouTube videos every day on how to do this stuff. I needed that structure to push me through. So I think if you're that type of person, sure. Um, but you, like you said, yeah, it's your point that you absolutely, I don't think need it at all. Um, so you're a college grad film school dropout. Dropout, Yeah. I never graduated. So I, I did essentially all four years, but beginning of my final year, I, that's when I I pushed it away. A lot of it has to do with the entrepreneurial spirit as well. Very much so. if, if it's your calling, it's your passion, there's no education that, that's going to, you know, it, it can help polish you, per se, right. but you still have to have that desire, that raw drive to, to push you to be what you are today. I 100% agree with that, yeah. It, it's very much a personality thing, you know, if you're somebody who needs that structure, and, you know, it doesn't mean you can't grow into that, you know, that's kind of what happened with me, is, you know, I, I needed that kicking the ass, if you will, to, to set me on the way. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's exactly spot. Most on. things in life though, learn on the job. True. Very I true. Mean, learn in life in general, right? Uh, Very true. Unless you want to go into the medical profession, it's kind of different. Well, I kind of play a doctor on TV. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, yeah. Medical field is slightly different, but, um, I mean, filmmaking, so much of that is you learn by doing it and you get better every time you do it by leaps and bounds. I, interesting point, I know we're wrapping up, but I didn't learn anything from a producing perspective in school. Nobody told me, how do you sell a movie when it's done? It was, oh, cool, it's done, you made a movie, now move on to the next. It was, what do you do with that product you just created and how do you talk to people? How do you pitch it? All of that was me fumbling my way through, you know, after after leaving school. So hard life lessons, and then you, you right. evolve from it, you learn from it. Never and a failure, it, right? Always exactly, just a, just a learning opportunity. Hundred percent. And in that publicity world, and anything like that, people don't understand, man. Most of the time, the worst thing that could ever happen is someone says no. Yeah, and you just keep going. Right, you find your way around. The worst it and, thing that could happen and is overcome it. No. Just hit it. Yeah, you don't know unless you ask, and then you know that the, the no is. The, wasn't meant to be That's right for the next uh, opportunity to come right and, and oftentimes the better opportunities you know right around it right you know? yeah so all Sweet, right man. well i want to thank you for the time again and thank I, you guys I hope to uh see you on the set as a, a extra jumping out of a window or something love to have you guys so. out there that'll be fun yeah <laughs> appreciate yeah. it thanks for the all opportunity right. all right later